you guys did not disappoint. Question of the week was, what's something you admire in others you wish to see in yourself? Going to come in hot. The first answer was happiness. Damn. Okay, so first of all, heavy. Secondly, honestly, I think that with a perspective, you can really see that clearly. So what is sadness? What is unhappiness? For me and my version of it, it is the space between what you expected life to be like at this point and what life actually is. And once we get into the mind frame that where we are is just where we are based on our choices and that we can strive. I'm not saying don't strive for great things. We can strive for those things. But the fact that they haven't happened shouldn't make us unhappy. It's the expectation of it's not done yet. If we remove the expectation and then really sit in what is, I think we become more happy and content with life, right? Content is not complacent. Content is I'm, I'm happy with the work that I'm doing. I think a lot of the unhappiness really stems from the fact that we know we could be doing more and we're not. And so it's not actually the achievement part. It's the looking at ourselves and what we've done part. So once you feel comfortable with where you, the work that you have done, you stop looking at where you aren't. Focus on where you are and okay with slow growth over time. Happiness is a deep ass answer though. Not going to lie. Uh, this, one's, this one had me laughing. Abs. <laughs> What's something you admire in others that you wish to see it yourself? Abs. Well, this one I get. Uh, summer's almost over, so uh, you know that that feeling of starting to work for it is coming back. But abs is a hilarious one. Thank you for that. Uh, saying no unapologetically. Why do we feel that it's tough to just set clear boundaries? Like no, it's a no, no, no it is a complete and full sentence. I do understand that this one with people that we love, especially with things that we feel that we should be able to provide, really tough. Really, really, really tough. Uh, I think understanding why you're saying no helps me, right? Like sometimes I just don't have the cash. Sometimes I don't have the time. Sometimes I like a lot of the times saying yes impedes on things that we want to do, right? So it's giving of ourselves more than we actually want to, that yes. So feel comfortable, right? Me and Ava talk about the idea that you have to choose your freedom because the other person's choosing theirs. And if someone can't understand that sometimes, and a lot of times, that we have to choose ourselves, and that it's okay to choose ourselves, if they can't understand it, that's kind of on them. It's not on you. And if you know why and can be clear about why, and to be clear, you don't have to be clear about why. But if you know why and you say no, you should be able to sit on that hill confidently. Tough, though. Oof. What's something you admire in others you wish to see in yourself? An ability to go with the flow. I'm a pretty go with the flow guy. I think I also, though, understand that, like, my life, I feel happier in chaos than in that, like, consistency. I think I do. I think a lot of us feel that way. Um, but going with the flow is tough. Uh, one, because, and I will say this pretty confidently, we have this idea that we are actually in control of our lives. And in some ways we are in control of what we do, but we're not in control of what happens to us. So that go with the flow is probably, in my opinion, the feeling that you can't do it is this idea that you have more control over what happens to you than you actually do. 
our output and our control. What comes in, not always. Something to think about. Clear communication, the ability to ask better questions. I think a lot of this is just taking a beat. I've noticed that I ramble. And if you saw the last episode, you know that happens. But I think taking a beat and really being prepared. My buddy Devin Radford, shout out to Rad, uh, Rad Dad now. Um, he told me that when he was debating, a lot of the times the best way to answer a question is by giving it space. So thinking about what the question is actually asking, taking a moment, and then having the actual answer clear and concise. So I would say if you're like me and want to answer right away because people are finally listening to you, then just take a moment, take a beat, and make sure you have the answer that you want before giving it. Uh, that's tough one though. <laughs> for me at least. That's pretty dumb actually. Um, following through for themselves and not just others. So why is that? I would love to dig into that. In the areas where I've seen it in my life, it's just that I did not love myself as much as I should have. And so I loved other people and saw their value and saw, saw their worth and I wanted to pour into them. So I would follow through for them, but the self-doubt in myself, the lack of love in myself didn't allow me to pour into myself that way. And also there was an excuse because if I, like not doing it for others is kind of visible. Not doing it for yourself, you can keep to yourself. It's almost like setting a goal and not telling anybody. And I'm not saying that you have to tell the world because I think there's some negative that comes with that. But setting a goal and keeping it to yourself makes you feel less, you feel less crappy if you don't follow through. Because no one knew, which tells you a lot about the things that you want, like that they have to be on front street. Anyway, ooh, the last one, and this one was chosen specifically last because it's something that the true society and our undefeated community work on and specifically look to, delusional self-confidence. Today's question of the week, what's something you admire in others you wish to see in yourself? delusional self-confidence. You know, this, I feel this. So when you were a kid, you know, you jump off the stairs, you jump from the tree without this idea that there are consequences. Now, I'm not saying that that's completely great, but as we've grown up, especially into the adulthood, I think there's this idea of the other side of the spectrum where like all we see is the consequences. All we see is the negative. And so it stops us from doing. Where on this side of the spectrum, we just did. We flowed. Like nothing could go wrong. And when it did, we accepted it. We dealt with it. And then went right back to thinking nothing could go wrong. Oh, my goodness. To harness that power uh, in, in our group, um, at least me on my vision board, I have what's called delusional optimism. I want more of that in my life. Because in our pursuit, we see, it's easy to see the obstacles. It's hard to see the end because and sometimes that vantage point is so far off, you can't. And you just have to put one foot in front of the other and have the hope that it's going to get there. And I think what gets lost, right? And I think where for me, the one of the bigger moments that I, the, the optimism went away was when I did not achieve what I wanted to in basketball. I busted my ass thinking that I was going to get to these great heights. And when it didn't happen, it was like, all that work was for nothing. And at times I forget that if I hadn't done that work, where I did get, the teams I was on, the playing time that I did get 
wouldn't have happened. And it's, it's what we talked about earlier, the first question, it's that expectation. I was unhappy because my expectation was I was going to get to this height. Whereas if I didn't, and maybe I got to here instead of way up here, but if I hadn't done the work that I'd done, I would have been way down here. We don't think about that, right? We don't think about, we, we look at, oh, what could have, but in the, oh, what could have great been, but what could have been worse? If you didn't do what you did, uh, it's but it's tough. And this person actually, we talked a little bit, and they said a lot of it was when I was younger, I was feeding off of the belief that other people had in me, and I hadn't found it in myself. So now that I'm an adult and that's not coming back at me, I don't know where to find it. I love that. In what ways can we start to find the delusional optimism in ourselves again, that kid who wants to jump and play and just be and be okay with taking anything that comes at them. Jeez, man. Well, welcome to the Wake Up Warrior podcast, a place hopefully where we can learn, grow, think for ourselves. All right. Lots of parents, teachers, and leaders in the community. Shout out to all of y'all. Uh, but please check us out on YouTube. You can find links here in the description. Check us out on any podcasting platform and continue to share it. Uh, with the new format, people have given me a little love here, so we're going to keep it going and flowing, um, and we're going to jump right into the topic, the tough topic of the week. Today's tough topic, Ozempic, Wachovi, buzzwords lately, weight loss drugs, which really aren't weight loss drugs. They started out as medicine for people with diabetes, and currently they are being used for weight loss. I just saw our article in our local new newspaper here, Tampa Bay Times, that we're prescribing this for kids as young as 12. But Joe, what's the problem with that? People need to lose weight. Well, interestingly enough, if you dig into it, Ozempic, these injections and Wachovi, what they are is semiglutide. Semiglutide is a hormone that, let's say, messes with insulin. But in the brain, it does trigger, which we found, right? That's in, the insulin response was actually what was for the diabetics. But we, but we see also that it kind of triggers our brain to think that we're full. It suppresses appetite. So, of course, we thought, oh, this would be great for, quote, unquote, weight loss. But it doesn't help you lose weight. It stops you when you're full, and it makes you think that, you don't have an appetite. That not eating a lot is what helps you lose weight, right? Because they also suggest with these drugs that you're more active and that you pay attention to what you eat. But the drug itself does not help you lose weight. Let's be clear about this. The drug itself does not help you lose weight. It suppresses appetite, makes you feel full. That's number one. Number two is, are you an absolute joke giving this to 12-year-olds and older, especially? And I, I don't even, I don't understand how you would ever give this to, and I might be sexist for this, a 12-year-old girl. You're absolutely ridiculous. On a regular basis, a girl, I mean, I don't even know what the numbers are, but let's just say 15 times more than a young man is told that they are not 
pretty enough, beautiful enough that their body's not what it should be. And now we're prescribing drugs for them. Now, you old people with horrendous habits, I'm not saying that it's right, but at least that I can understand because bad habits are already deep in the soul. Like, you don't want to train, ch change. Now, we know that neuroplasticity, can, you can change. You just don't want to. And I'm not saying that you aren't important, but right now, we ain't talking about y'all. But for the 18 and under, young men and young women that we are giving this to. So, first off, some adult is signing off on this. Multiple, actually. Secondly, whose fault is it? If you're an obese 12-year-old, I'm assuming it's because you're going to the grocery shop. You're going to the grocery store, right, 12-year-old? And you're buying the snacks, and you're buying the food, and you're buying the fast food with the 12-year-old job that you have and the 15-year-old job that you have? Crickets. Why? Because the adults in this case are way more to blame than the kids, in my opinion. One humble man's opinion. Because what kind of eating habits do you have in the house? Do you guys allow snacking? Do you not allow snacking? Are you taking seconds and thirds? And oh, but it, it's okay for me. Guess what? Every single one of us has a different level of metabolism. We can eat different things. Our body reacts differently. How about we set a standard in our homes about how we eat, how we approach food? As opposed to talking to kids, like, I have buddies who reach out, oh, man, you know, my kid is struggling with weight and stuff like that. So first off, 12, 13, we have no idea. Ask my brother. We used to pick on my brother for being the chubby kid, 11, 12. I'm not, not, not happy about it. I'm not proud of myself for that. And then he's proud up to be 6'1", 6% body fat. And let me tell you, he was an active kid, but he was a chunky little boy. Active kid. This kid played baseball six every day, every single day. And we ate what we wanted to, but so did I. And you know, like, and he was a chunky kid. And then sprout up twelve. You have no idea what this body's going to do. And instead of looking at creating better habits, our idea is let's just give them drugs. Now, why is that? It's just like why I say that we should read more books instead of watching TV is because if you are being force-fed, not even force-fed, if you are willing to take the pills, well, guess what? You'll take it forever because Ozempic and Wachovia over the year, a year's worth supply is $16,000 without insurance. Sixteen dollars Take that to the bank. And it does not help you lose weight. It stops you from eating as much. Why not develop habits? Why not stop watching TV while you eat so that your brain focuses on the task at hand as opposed to multitask and loses sight of what you're actually doing and can pick up the appetite suppressants that are at the because semaglutide is in your body already. You're putting more of it, right? Because when you increase the levels, it increases the effect. You already have it. Eat without distractions. Start with one plate. When you finish that plate, take some time to go get another if you need another. Eat when you're hungry. Take snacking or take snacks or snacking out of your household ideology. These kids do not need to be on drugs. These kids do not need to be talked about, about macros and stuff like that. How about eat whole foods? That's a great start. So if we're not opening packages, that's a great start. How about eat whole foods? How about drinking more water? How about 
understanding that carbs are not the devil, sodium's not the devil, fat's not the devil, because when you're eating and moving well, you need all of those things. Oh my goodness. We're giving 12-year-olds drugs to lose weight. Most 12-year-olds are prepubescent. Haven't even hit maturity or puberty yet. What? What? It's not even a tough topic for me. If you are on this, you're the problem. In your kid's life, if you're signing off on this, outside of your kid is about to die, you're the problem. Point blank, period. When we're looking at 12 to 18, I'm not looking at those kids. I'm looking at those kids' parents and their habits and what they're teaching. I'll put it up on the page from here. Me and Ava, without thinking about weight at all, we established at the beginning of the school year things that we're going to do. Eat Whole Foods is on there. Be more active. Spend more time together. Explore more. Things like that. We have it up on our fridge. We both signed it. We're the leaders, folks. Not them. In some ways, you have to model it. That's what they're going to follow. And I'll be honest, dads, we're probably more at, it's probably more our fault because when we look at the families, we see that the kids, boy or girl, are going to follow what dad does. Follow his lead, follow his tone. Ooh, buddy. I'm gonna, we're going to move on from that one. We're going to change the tone a little bit. Um, so I did want to share some things with you that have been really helpful for me. Uh, but in the comments here, let, whether it's contrary or with me, what are your thoughts? Right? Go to the YouTube video. You don't have to watch it on there, but go to the YouTube video. And please let me know your thoughts on kids. <laughs> Kids taking drugs to lose weight, which is not helping them lose weight. It's just stopping them from eating as much and feeling and helps them feel more full. It's not taking any fat away. It's not helping you burn anything extra. Please leave a comment. Would appreciate it. I'm going to move on to something that's been really helpful for me lately, and that is my Kindle. I'm going to put it somewhere on the screen here. I was against the whole Kindle gang. Without a doubt. Um, I'm new to reading uh, over the last, I'd say, five years. I really struggled to read. And by struggle to mean I actually just didn't do it. So I hadn't developed the habit of doing it over time. And now I love to read. Um, love having a book with me. What I would say that the Kindle, if you haven't, if you love traditional books, and I love, and I guess loved at this point, loved traditional books, if you haven't had a Kindle yet, what are some of the things that are super helpful. One, you can read in any light. So it has a nice little backlit. And I'm talking about not Kindle on like an iPad, but the I think it's called a paper white Kindle. Um, really great. You can read in any light because it goes up and down. It does feel like you're reading an actual book. One of the things that um, I didn't realize I needed is a s consistent font size. You get to choose the font size for all of the books. So having a consistent font size helps me because I'm not squinting. I went back to reading a, uh, after using the Kindle for a little bit, bit, I went back to reading a traditional book and the font was smaller than I had been accustomed to. And I'm still reading the book because it's a great book, but I've realized, oh, it's just, 
more difficult, right? The process of it is more difficult. So it's like finding an exercise that hits the same goal, but is easier to do based on like my body, essentially. Really love it for that. Uh, the size of it, being able to carry multiple books at the same time. Really love the Kindle. Uh, and that actually kind of falls into our wellness tip today. Reading. I like reading way more than watching TV. I think it's one step closer to the higher levels of ourselves. Why, Joe? So when I'm talking with my group, what it the, the biggest factor is when we're reading, we're using our imagination on a better, better, bigger level, right? If you're watching a show, like if you're watching this on YouTube, even that, like you're seeing, you're getting my, like my face looks, but you're making assessments. Whereas if you're listening to it, uh, which I mean, shoot, you can do both. Right. But if you're listening to it, you're creating these images on your own, keeps the mind sharp. And I think reading does the same thing. One, it's a space where you're focused, right? The singleness of purpose and focus, it helps develop that so that when you're actually listening to having a conversation, you're in that same zone. That same zone, right? It, I think a lot of the times now when we're talking, we have our phone, we're like half listening, right? I think reading because of it, because of the amount of senses that it occupies, it helps you fo focus and lock in. And then obviously the imagination aspect of you are creating so that you can be the hero in the story if you want to be. It's also what something I didn't realize, but also super important it's also playing in your voice. So these great things, or however you're imagining it, you're the narrator, right? Uh, I think for me, the practice of reading has helped not just me get the information from the book, but also helps with a lot of other things in life, like I said. Um, definitely love that. So this wellness tip for this week is just learning, not even learning, but getting into the practice of, and learning if needed, learning to read, like really read, sitting down. I started out with five minutes a day because, I mean, legitimately without being distracted, that's all I could. And then started adding five to 10. Now, I mean, on an average, I'm anywhere from probably at the least amount I read every day is about 20 minutes. And it goes up to like an hour if I'm feeling it. Got Ava into the same practice, right? Because I'm modeling for her. That is my job as her dad to be an example, right? Because they listen to our example, not just what we say. Whoo, don't get me started. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's the wellness tip of the week this week. And then uh, we got another hero of the week. Hero of the week, what goes out, I'm not going to mention her because she does not like being the center of attention, but to one of my clients who set very, very clear boundaries with work. We had a conversation and it was one of those like come to Jesus moments where she was giving of herself more than she was getting from work. And it's not, I mean, listen, it is, life doesn't have to be this tit for tat thing, but it, there is a point where it becomes dangerous to our health to the point where she was trembling, just taking email off of her phone. Now I didn't, tell her to, I didn't tell her what to do. I gave some suggestions and she did it. And I think I was proud because to take a step like that, that was obviously sitting on top of her 
is massive. Her big thing was she was working after work. She was working before work. She was sending emails. She, like, there was no time for her. And she said that once she did, and she set boundaries of after 6, I'm not working. I'm not working till I'm at my desk. I mean, she was waking up at 5 and sending emails, right? She was 9, 10 in the evening still sending emails. And it was, it was this consistent revolution. And she had come to the idea that, like, that's where she put her value in herself was being, I mean, she's good at her job, but not just being good, but being, like, at their beck and call. And now she's had to sit with herself, and she's, she literally read an entire book in a weekend because there was so much space. And then she took more walks. And, like, she's filling these gaps with these things that feed into her more. And... Funny enough, probably one of the most productive weeks for her at work. Something really tough to do is to disconnect the two, right? When you're at work, be at work. If you're at work thinking about vacation, when you're at vac- when you're on vacation, you'll be thinking about work. It's, it's very funny. You ever had, oh, man, but, oh, what, let me check what's going on back at the – be where you are. That presence, right? We talked about reading, like giving you that presence. That presence is important because then you're nowhere and everywhere at the same time. Be at work when you're at work. Focus on the task at hand and then be able to disconnect. And obviously there's going to be a little bit of friction there. You're going to, there are going to be days where you're there later than six. There's going to be days when you're there earlier than eight, third, and nine when you get there. It's not about these strict boundaries. It's just having very clear ones. Because as soon as, Anything becomes a necessity that isn't actually a necessity, right? But when something becomes a necessity, like coffee, like being at work, when you feel that you can't do without it, it's probably time to go without it. And for her to take the step the way that she did, because it was after one conversation, and we're going on a week of it now. And to me, she's the hero because not many of us are brave enough to sit up and look at who we are, critique it, and then make a move. I would suspect that most of us know what our quote-unquote problem is, the thing or the few habits or distractions that are pulling us away from who we are or even what we want, but we are afraid to go against the current grain, and she wasn't. Shout out to you. You know who you are. Uh, really, really proud about that. Before we go, I wanted to share a story from last week at the gym. So I'm in the gym, and I'm listening to an album that I love now. Slow album. I'm very fortunate. I go to a gym where the patrons control the music. So it's one of those like first-come, first-serve things. So music's on, and we're chilling. Me and this client, actually, are vibing. And slow music, though. Not your traditional, like, Beats, beats per minute out the wazoo, like hardcore music, not even close. Uh, and someone else hits me up and is like, yo, like, is this what we're listening to? And I was like, yeah, man, this is what we put on. And, oh, this is just not gym music. And I was like, apparently not for you. And the conversation just essentially went back and forth like this. Um, and to me, it instantly brought up two things. Two very, very clear, very, very clear things, right? So first, why do we have this idea that we need to show up in perfect conditions? I know people who go to the gym, don't have their headphones, and will go home 
it's like a joke. Like, why are you there for the gym? Or are you there to listen to music? Are you there for a certain or current mood? And I think this is one of the problems that we have is that we have this ideal that ideal conditions create ideal results. That's not the case. My daughter hates mobility. I hate mobility, but we know it keeps us healthy. And it's not that we're extraordinary that we can do these things. We just know that to have what others don't or what you want, forget what others want. You just have to do the extra. We're not extraordinary. We're just ordinary people who do a little extra. So that's number one. And number two, ask the questions that you want the answers to. It was very clear she wanted to change music. Why don't you just ask that? Why do we, like, this weird, it's like, I don't know if it's peer pressure or we're trying to bully people or we just don't have the actual questions. But, like, I don't care what music we listen to in the gym. Never have, won't when I'm there. You'll see me dancing to the music, but that's the beat. I don't even know what's being said sometimes. Right? Like, it, and the thing is, it could be Frank Sinatra, it could be Adele, it could be Taylor Swift, it could be Justin Bieber, it could be Russ, it could be Drake, it could be Lil Baby, it could be anything for me. Right? I'm a mood guy. Like, I'm at the gym for a certain purpose. I'm going to get down how I get down. I'm not worried about how I feel because I'm there for a purpose. And I think that leads to a lot of us having goals that don't result in performance, but how we look and how others perceive us. That's just me. That's just my thought process. So going into this week, I want us to think about how can we show up where we need to, to do what we need to for the purpose that we have. And if you have a purpose to be in a place, which I think in most places we should find that, if you have a purpose to be in a place, be there for that purpose. And number two, ask the question you want the answer to. Because closed mouths don't get fed. (sighs) Hope we have a really great week. Look forward to it. Take care and be well.